Hi, I'm Charles Barkley, host of the season premiere of Silent Night Live with Nirvana. Look, Mom, your favorite, Nirvana. All right, let's do one more. Uh, you got, you're in a little, you're a little rushed. I've been looking forward to this one too. Uh, you know, it's getting funner when we get down to these uh, higher records, and and sure. also, you know, it's always fun to talk to you. But yeah, I'm I'm super pumped you could do it today. I just threw it out there. I'm like, well, it is New Year's Day, but I, I'm literally uh, I, I, you're taking me away from uh, spackling walls right now. So, oh, I'm happy to do that. I mean, yeah, no geez, I, I, yeah, and and frankly, with, with uh, you know, 2021 is not going to be that much different for a while than 2020. Yeah. So well, I, that's I, I, I figured go. it was worth asking. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so this is definitely a much better New Year than I was going to have. So, <laughs> Aww, that's so, that's that's very nice of you. You're you're, you're much yeah. too kind. Are you sure you're not Minnesotan? Yeah. <laughs> I might as well be. You yeah. know, in California. Uh, I don't know. People, you're, you're a lot people... nicer than me, man. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> But that's the charm of Baco, you oh, know. Is it? <laughs> yeah, I call. think so. <laughs> I I am talking with uh, Brian Davis, host of uh, uh, the Damn Good Movie Memories podcast. Uh, you know, I have nothing but nice things to say about you, Brian, um, and that's one of them. Did you Did you watch uh, the Kiss Twenty Twenty uh, pay per view yesterday? I assume since you were off. I, I, there's so many clips out there that <laughs> you didn't have to pay for it, and uh, whoo. Mike, I, I think I posted somewhere, I heard the sound check to Detroit Rock City and I dubbed it Dubai Puke City because that's pretty much uh, what's going on there. No, I did. Uh, yeah, I, I wasn't going to pay for that. How, how about you? Uh, no, there was no chance I was going to pony up for it. Uh, we'll, we'll get into, uh, now I will talk, I'll, I'll, uh, well, it'll be already be out by the time this episode drops, but uh, we're getting into that on the first episode of Cobras and Fire. So we oh, were good. both able to watch a little bit of it, but neither one of us plunked down any money. Um, but and we'll explain it in that. Uh, but uh, yeah, it's. I'll tell you this: for all the lip sync talk with Paul Stanley, he doesn't do it enough. Uh, <laughs> he needs to lip sync the 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 speeches between songs. Uh, it's just it's it's difficult to listen to him. Uh, it, it that's really at this point my biggest takeaway. I, I that keeps me from. Oh, going to shows, watching shit like that. Even if I was willing to take the day off and plunk down fifty bucks, uh, yeah, it's it's him. And and uh, look, I don't I don't fault him. Other than that, he continues to be arrogant about it and act like it's yes. not an issue. Exactly. So, and I saw I was made for loving you, and that's I mean they, they used the Pat Boone backing track on that one because <laughs> he, he, he didn't even he didn't even try to go for it. Uh, <laughs> I was like, okay, buddy, I, I'll, yeah. I'm gonna look that one up. Then I I would definitely want to check that. Look, I know he's using some stuff, but yeah, cl- he, he just doesn't sound good when he at any point. You know what I mean? It's just it, exactly. And you would think that the year off would have helped, but no, <laughs> it did not. Uh. Well, how are things over there at the goddamn uh, Good Movie Memories podcast? 
I, we're, we're now changing it to goddamn <laughs> movie memories, but, um, yeah, no, it's been great. And, and, uh, it's been, uh, I've been able through my vacation to really stockpile movies, which has been a lot of fun. And, and you've guested, uh, I, I think I was, I think I counted three. So it was high fidelity, uh, the other guys and grandma's boy. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I always love having you on cause you always have something interesting and funny to say. And that's what we do there. I mean, that we just get a kind of a wide range of uh, people talking about, you know, movies they enjoy, usually movies that are in their collection, because uh, we could talk about, you know, films that you don't really like, but I yeah. don't do that here because I'm not going to spend hours and hours researching a film for something I don't like. So, uh, unlike this album. So, this is a... <laughs> oh, spoiler <laughs> yeah. so nice alert. Oh. No, 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 no. I'm not spoiling anything, so... Yeah, and, and uh, rumor has it I, I, I will be on a future episode of uh, uh, goddamn good movie memories, right? That's right, and it's uh, it's a movie probably most people haven't seen. So, um, <laughs> but it's a it's a, it's a great movie, and it's actually kind of uh, there's a loose connection, I guess, at least musically to to a Nero and Nirvana. I think in some ways, I think it's kind of the precursor to what eventually Ooh, became Run. There's so. a tease, so yeah, pay attention to, to that. I'm not sure when you're dropping it, but we're we are recording that shortly here. So <laughs> yeah. And I do want to say, like, look, listening to whatever, never mind, that intro medley that you did, it's so well put together because in 30 seconds, it basically encapsulates everything that's great about grunge seamlessly. And so it totally gets me in the mood every time I hear it. So really kudos to you. And then the cherry on top, of course, is, is the whatever, never mind part. Yeah. But well, uh, let's cool. break a little yeah. news here. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I was actually going <laughs> to lead with that, but that was beautifully set up. Uh, yeah, so yeah, I um, I, I put that medley together. It's just kind of like some. I wanted a, a consistent opener, a little different than what we do with Cobras and Fire, um, mm-hmm. and it's something that basically sets off every episode. And then, I, but I was really looking for somebody. I knew there had to be quotes from movies where someone just you know sarcastically said whatever, and then never mind. <laughs> uh, but I I promise you, I spent about an hour, and then all of a sudden it dawned on me. You know who would probably be able to pull this out of his ass in about ten minutes? <laughs> Brian Davis. And uh, yeah, yes. so uh, ladies and gentlemen, uh, we have to thank Brian Davis for the uh, whatever. whatever. Never mind clips. Those exactly. are directly from you, man. <laughs> well, I mean, you didn't create them, but I'm like, help me, brother. <laughs> Well, I was happy to do it, and it was fun to put together. I'm like, there's, yeah, you're right. There has to be something out there, and and the way you edited it in was was beautiful. So uh, I always get a smile every time uh, <laughs> I hear that, and then it goes right into the episode. It's like a little secret for you, and now I've ruined it for you. Yeah, but or maybe more, maybe I've I've brought fame to your lap. Uh, well, we'll see when the, when this drops. We'll see if uh, you know the numbers go up. We shall see. But well, yeah. But thank you for that. Uh, you, you, of course, you, you've been a big part of the the intro to the show. Apparently, absolutely. All right. Well, well. Before we get into the record today, tell me a little bit about uh, your connection with grunge. Uh, when when it uh, is it big, small? Like how big of a fan are you? Were you that kind of deal? Sure. I, I'll get into um, kind of what I grew up with, and then how that kind of evolved into grunge. Um, I would say that at the time when at least Nevermind came out, so if we were just talking about Nirvana in 91, it wasn't necessarily in my wheelhouse of music at the time. I pretty much grew up listening to traditional blues music from the 50s and the 60s, uh, along with you know rock and roll in the same era, Jerry Lewis and Chuck Berry and guys like that. How old would you have been in 91 then? Then I would have been uh, about 
13. Oh, really? So, By the music yeah. you're describing, I was guessing about 70, but all right. No, uh, exactly. So. <laughs> I am uh, I am exactly the opposite, and that's probably why I, I love damn good movie memory so much and doing old films is, yeah, I... Anything historic, I love, and yeah. uh, and and my father was so much into the blues and uh, soul music and stacks and Motown that it just kind of came naturally. And and so by the early '90s or yeah, and, and late '80s, I was progressively getting into more hard rock bands that were influenced by the blues. Of course, you know Aerosmith, AC/DC, Zeppelin, even even Ze- uh, Sabbath. So I I kind of thought about this for a while. Like, why did grunge kind of resonate with me? And I think that grunge has a whole lot more in common with the blues than most people even realize. It's, it's not obvious because it's not based on the music itself. I think it's more like the ethos from the founders of blues music because original blues music was always in the underground, mostly because it, w- it was black music. It was segregated. And so even the bigger named artists, like your Muddy Waters, your Howlin' Wolf, your B.B. Kings, they didn't really start to have crossover success until the British invasion of the 60s. So, And then they could tour Europe. It was like a, a whirlwind for these guys. And sort of kind of like how grunge didn't really start overnight, of course. But you listen to <laughs> whatever, never mind, you hear that. And, and though it may have felt like it was overnight for those not engaged in the scene, and then you think of like the facelift album for Mouse and Change, and it's, it, for me, it's super heavy blues. I mean, listen to Man in the Box; it's almost like a slower, spaced out, chunkier riff to let's say the Doors' Roadhouse Blues, which is that traditional dun 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 dun. Yeah. Whereas you know, Man in the Box is just dun dun dun. And if if <laughs> they'd stuck with the original, which I think was going to be more sped up, it would have been Roadhouse Blues, and so. Uh, U.S. in the, the beginning riff to see a sorrow. It's total blues. Same with I Can't Remember. So, you know, Soundgarden covered Howlin' Wolf with Smoke Tech Lightning. And Nirvana covered, uh, you know, Lead Belly on uh, Where Did You Sleep Last Night for um, the Unplugged show. So I think all of this sort of clicked in my blues subconscious. And, and the A-list grunge bands, uh, they became part of my music discovery growing up. But not the B and C-list. I didn't have time for them. So... I also what I think is interesting about the blues angle it's ironically it's the hair metal acts that tried to go for the rootsy blues vibe in the late 80s and it came off so forced yeah. and not authentic at all so I think without even realizing it the grunge bands really had that blues ethos and, and that stuck with me so yeah that's a, it's a long answer but that's that's where I was coming from I still love the blues and there's still grunge bands that I still listen to today and I think the honesty behind their music is what resonates with me still. I, I, you mentioned the hair metal thing, and, and, it's, and I was a huge fan. Uh, I think it's pretty much well known, and you know, yeah. still am to when it just comes to the music and stuff. Uh, but but I was you know buried deep into that. But I've also been somebody who has oh I I have a short uh, fuse when it comes to cliches and and right. and, and certain kind of platitudes. Uh, just uh, imply that just across the board, not just to music. And one thing you always saw in the '80s, especially as it, as the bands got more and more popular, is with every new release, the, the you know the whoever's you know in the band talking about it would go, "Yeah, we went more back to kind of a bluesy approach and all this right. shit." Our, our roots. And and at a certain <laughs> point, I started going, "There is nothing bluesy about what you guys do." The, you, this Motley Crue record sounds not any more bluesy than any other Motley Crue record, Nikki Six. <laughs> And it just kind of became cliche, and and I think that maybe that was really setting me up to embrace something like grunge when it finally did come. Because for a short period, I basically just took a giant a giant dump 
on all the mm-hmm. hair metal bands. I was like, fuck them all. Like, I literally like don't like that no more. And then you know, yeah. a little hypocritical to be honest with you. I, I've owned it. Uh, I think on this show enough that uh, I don't need to get into it too much more. But you bring up an interesting point there because yeah, how many times? Did, and then anytime they did do something with, they tried to do a blues song. It was it was always the worst rendition. Always. That. My daddy said, "Son, don't you come." Always green baby. Every place sells where you stand. Well, some are bound to win, some are bound to lose, and sing them poor boy blues. Watch out. Always. Even even Kiss. We were talking about Kiss with uh, Rise to It. You know, they start with that kind of that slide acoustic guitar and before they go. I'm like, really? Guys, you're not fooling anyone. And It's uh, even recorded really bad. It's like, you don't even know. This sounds tinny and, and, oh, just whatever. Yeah, and uh, yeah, never mind. But uh, yeah, it's, it's. uh, Never mind. Yeah. No, we're not talking about never mind. (laughs) <laughs> I'll use that as a segue here. Coming Good. in at number eight on Rolling Stone's greatest grunge albums of all time is Nirvana's 1983, turns out to be a swan song, In Utero. Now, this was released on my birthday, September 13th, 1993, on nice. DGC Records. Uh, in Utero is the third and final studio album by uh, Nirvana. And uh, it was produced by Steve Albini. I think I got his name right. It features 12 tracks, clocks in at a... I don't know, a pretty appropriate 41 minutes and 23 seconds, which turns out is slightly longer than it took to record this gem. Uh, (laughs) It was recorded over a two-week period in February of 1993. Not very far, Brian, from where I'm Mm -hmm. recording right now, maybe about a 40-minute drive, uh, Ah. at Pachyderm Studios in Cannon Falls, Minnesota. Now, Cannon Falls uh, is also famous for a strip club called Peelers. I I do have a, a question for you, Brian. Sure. <laughs> Have you ever been to Cannon Falls, Minnesota, and not stopped in at Peelers for a quick, uh, you know, you know, peek? Well, I've never been to Cannon Falls, but now so I know that's a where no. to go. Every time Brian no. has been yeah. to Cannon Falls, he has gone to Peelers. It- but I know where to go now, which is good. <laughs> I'm not sure if it's open anymore. <laughs> oh, God damn it. Uh, uh, fun fact uh, about Cannon Falls. Uh, <laughs> I got all these Cannon Falls <laughs> jokes here. My freshman year uh, girlfriend, she actually moved to Cannon Falls and about a week later broke up with me. So uh, uh, fuck you, Laurie Stordahl. Uh, but did, did she hell. end up at Peelers? <laughs> <laughs> she, well, she would have had to get a boob job if she did. Uh, well, you never know. Man, that's what Facebook's for, you know. (laughs) Hold on a second, I'll check. Okay. Uh, No, I, 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 Lori, there's absolutely no chance you're listening, but I'm just joking. Uh, Yes. If you were, if you even remember me, you probably remember (laughs) I'm kind of a jerk. So 
which is probably why you moved to Cannon Falls and dumped my ass. Um, Coming up next on Covers and Fire. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we'll cut a vein once in a while. Uh, In utero, it did reach number one uh, on uh, basically on release uh, in both U.S. and the United Kingdom and plenty of other countries that uh, that don't matter. Uh, The album has been certified five times platinum in the United States and has sold 50 million copies worldwide. It features the singles Heart Shaped Box and All Apologies. There were plans to release a third single, but uh, Kurt Cobain, um, killing himself, kind of put everything, uh, basically just scrapped on uh, that right. whole deal. So um, not to make light of that, but uh, so you, I think you said you were 13. So you would have been 16 or 15 yeah, or 16 15, when this came out? 15. Yeah. And, you know, like most people, I was introduced to, to Nirvana through Nevermind. Uh, what was interesting is when Nevermind came out, that was 91. Uh, my family that year decided to finally get cable. <laughs> so it was like the perfect <laughs> storm of me binge watching MTV whenever I could and seeing Nirvana and Pearl Jam and, and all the great bands. And, and, but Nevermind was definitely in my rotation early on. I, I enjoyed it. I went back uh, and got uh, Bleach and, uh, and then got Incesticide when it came out. So, yeah, I was eagerly anticipating In Utero. I don't think I bought it the day it came out. And uh, I probably waited like a week. And I didn't buy it on CD because I, I bought it on on cassette, and you know, being but you you, know, you were uh, like uh, someone that was a, awaiting it and then bought it. Yes, who cares? Early if it's, on. Yeah, basically, once it came out, you knew you were going to get it. Exactly. Yeah, when I heard the release date, I was like, yeah, this I'm I'm in on this. Brian, in, in a move that seems very obvious to me, and I say this even with the time, but you know, it, uh, some of the research I did, it made it sound like people were shocked that Nirvana would do a record like In Utero. After mm-hmm. Nevermind, I say what you want, but it, Kurt, Kurt Cobain was a guy with pretty legitimate conviction. You know what I mean? And and he 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 actually cared about his personal integrity. You know, uh, he would not be ringing kissing twenty twenty <laughs> goodbye uh, in Dubai, uh, right? So uh, that's probably enough kiss cracks. Um, but <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah. So that so when they go with someone like Al, uh, Albini, who I was not familiar with at the time, but they did more of a raw punk record. They didn't. Yes. They didn't try to get more polished than Nevermind. If anything, they they tried to like make sure that like, hey, we're gonna stick uh, stay true to our original ethos. Go back to when you actually did get to hear in Unirow. Did you have some kind of revolt against it, or how did you feel? No, I think I enjoyed it at the time. Um, I will get into uh, eventually how my, my <laughs> I adapted, and and that makes sense. I mean, because it's been twenty five years, so yeah. Um, yeah. No, I was eagerly anticipating. I liked the first single. The first single sounded similar to what I would have enjoyed on Nevermind or yep. Incesticide. So um, yeah, no, it was great. And uh, but I, for whatever reason, and I also get into this. Um, I, I I didn't buy it on CD. I, I don't know why. Maybe because it was just it, it would have been twenty bucks and uh, having a limited. That income was kind of that era. I, I think yeah. Aaron Camaro made a great point. Like there was times where you would kind of like have all these different rationale for like, well, is this CD worthy? Is this right. you know you know because I was still buying a, a little bit of cassettes, but mostly CDs. I don't know. I get it. Yeah, and so this was, I don't know why, it was a cassette, because I had bought uh, Nevermind on CD, I'd, or actually I got that through BMG, so that was basically a penny that I never <laughs> paid for. And uh, yeah, but I would, but on the other hand, uh, for Pearl Jam's verses... You know, I'm older than you, there was a time when you actually had to tape a penny to a little circle where you put the penny... Oh, I remember that. Oh, okay, all right. <laughs> I definitely remember that. Um, but like for Pearl Jam verses, that was CD. For Aerosmith's Get a Grip, that was a CD too, so I don't, I don't know why, maybe I had some 
sort of subconscious foresight about uh, getting this on cassette <laughs> instead of CD. But uh, you know, eventually I did get it on CD when I had more disposable income. But uh, yeah, it's, uh, I don't think there was a revolt. And I'll, I'll get into maybe when we wrap up why uh, I always gave this a chance yeah. uh, instead of just discarding it immediately. Because I think today it's so easy to discard music because of streaming and whatnot. And whereas back when we had to actually buy music, uh, there was less of a, a, a chance to, right. or at least a, an idea of, of oh, I'm not going to listen to this again. You just paid money for it. so That's a great point. Um, and yeah, this, it's not like this record was a flop. No, not at all. Uh, but but Kurt initially wasn't that pleased with the record, but with a little time and, and apparently some feedback from people he trusted, he grew to like it. Dave Grohl said in 1990, or in, uh, I'm sorry, in 2013, that th- it was the most honest record he had ever made. And mm-hmm. Chris Novoselic, when he was asked about it, he said, I play bass. <laughs> uh, no, in all seriousness, like he music. would tell NPR <laughs> in utero is a testament to the artistic version of Kurt Cobain. He had a good ear for a hook, great singer, great guitar player, and in utero, in utero, <laughs> in utero, <laughs> it's is easy a for you good to say. representation of what he liked in art and how he liked to express himself. <clears throat> right. Uh, yes. Okay. Uh, it was originally titled <laughs> I Hate Myself and Want to Die. Do you like that title better? I think if they really wanted to go with some street cred, that would have been uh, maybe a little bit better. I don't I don't think the suits would have, uh, Geffen would have liked that. <laughs> Though that song did eventually come out in Beavis and Butthead, which I thought was kind of fitting. Uh, that's a good point. Uh, apparently, verse, chorus, verse, and sappy were also tossed around before finally settling on in u- utero, which we have Courtney Love to thank for that gem. Um, the album yep. cover features what is called, let me read this here, transparent anatomical mannequin, mm-hmm. which is a thing, uh, with wings <laughs> superimposed over it on a field of lemony amber. Lemony amber. That's that lemony amber, Brian? That's mine. Yes. That's mine. Oh, dis- yes, I put that in there. <laughs> I have seen, I, I, I believe uh, in Seattle, there's a there's a museum before everything shut down that I think has the, uh, or something like a, 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 I could be making this up. I seem to recall seeing that cover with you make a lot uh, of things up i do i do and that's why i have bad damn good movie memories or goddamn god movie damn memories. good <laughs> movie memories <laughs> but i do remember seeing it he had they had all sorts of you know uh memorabilia from from nirvana at the, the seattle museum and uh yeah i do seem to recall seeing like that album okay. cover there so yeah, I, yeah I, I found some pictures online like the, the, it's an actual it was a photograph of this this right. 3d it's a physical thing you know yeah well, uh, upon release, Walmart refused to sell it, which actually made me like this record a little bit better. But Agreed. hilariously, and this is according to a, a New York Times report, Walmart said it didn't carry it due to lack of demand. Oh, that's horseshit. <laughs> <laughs> Sam, uh, and yeah. Sam Walton's like, rape me is my jam. Too bad nobody wants this record. <laughs> that's right. That's right. And uh, uh, yeah, I bought this at Tower Records because Tower Records here in the Bay Area, you know, at least in California and, and the, the West Coast, that was that was the place to go. And even though you paid more money, they had the, they had the best selection. So. Before we get into side one of your cassette, Brian, um, <laughs> uh, we're, are we, now, would we be listening to this in your car or did you have a nice uh, home stereo that we're going to plug this uh, bad boy into? I think I had a decent home stereo, if I recall. I went through a lot back in the day, and it seemed like every <laughs> Chris, every Christmas I was getting a new, uh, a new, you know, boombox or stereo. Only, I, only I, child. 
Uh, no, definitely not. <laughs> no, I, have a, I have a younger sister, so she'd probably get my broken hand-me-down. So, uh, I get you. Um, yeah, no, uh, eventually when I was driving about a year later, I, I think this was in the rotation. But when I first got it, it was, it was definitely at home. Well, um, well, let's paint the picture for the listener. What kind of car? Sure. What, what was your first car? <laughs> it was the... Uh, the family truckster, it was the minivan, the Dodge Caravan Ooh. from 1985, which was a stick shift and a four-cylinder. So have fun in the hills of San Francisco with that piece of shit. And, uh. Uh, but my friends, <laughs> my, my, my friends loved it because you could pack in 10 people and we could you know, go to the beach and have yeah. parties and, and things like that. That was, that was the first hand-me-down car. My first real car, I bought a truck, uh, an 85 um, a Dodge a truck to go to uh, go to college, <laughs> go to junior college. So that, that was my first real car that I paid for. So well, that's what we're riding in. Then, so as we're listening and yeah. talking today, we are cruising around with Brian in the driver's seat. Uh, that's right. Any last words before we pop the cassette in here? No, let's let's get it going. All right. Well, the album opens up with "Serve the Serpent," <laughs> serpents. It's like a, <laughs> a biblical reference. Serve the servants. Nevermind or even Bleach, they started out the album with a song that almost sounds like a demo and nothing like the first single that we'll eventually yeah. get into. Uh, it's incredibly sloppy, <laughs> though ironically, it's got one of Kurt's more memorable guitar solos that he's ever recorded for me. Okay. Um, the chorus sounds like, you know, he almost recorded it for a different song and nothing about this song fits. Even the, even the solo sounds like it should have been used in a different song, as good as it is. Uh, I think it's a, a real terrible way to start the album. Though, as you mentioned, if, if they were going for a vibe of let's get rid of the Johnny Come Lately fans who only enjoyed that radio, you know, those radio hits from Nevermind, then yeah, mission accomplished. But man, even even hardcore fans uh, would be hard pressed to enjoy this one right off the bat. Yeah, this this sounds like it couldn't make the cut on Bleach to me. Um, yeah. This is a very early replacement sounding kind of song, even the way it's recorded. I'll, but I, I'll, hats off to Steve Albini. I think the drums from the oh, get go yeah. sound amazing on this record. Yes. I will say this right now, from beginning to end, if any issue I have with this record, it's definitely not the production. I think he did a good job. Oh, I'm with you. Totally um, with you. Cobain, though, I mean, I'll say this. You talked about how sloppy it was. He's always yeah. had this this sound. It sounds like he's not very good at guitar. The way his 
his sound is. But the fact of the matter is that really is his vibe, and it's difficult mm-hmm. to replicate. Like you couldn't like a guy like Warren D. Martini, who people think, oh, that guy is fucking amazing. He couldn't do this. He literally wouldn't be able to play this and make it sound like this. This song, as sloppy as it sounds, if you click along to it, it is very tight. And there's that that kind of that weird feedback and all that kind of stuff. Um, but as for an actual song, this is boring as shit, man. It's a horrible yeah. record opener. I I don't care if you're like if you're if you're trying to to distance yourself from the the casual fan this hard, you're probably a little too committed to the bit. And I've said that about yes. about Kurt before when in reference to marrying Courtney Love. Nice one. But, um, <laughs> It sounds like a UK B-side to me. It, yeah. the, the, uh, the lead single for a posthumous greatest hits record. That's what I would call this. This is just a bad song. So this is funny. You had reached out months, months in advance, and uh, I had given you what I, what I came up with with the rating system, and I kept listening to every episode religiously thinking, someone's going to come up with this, and I'm going to sound like a poser, but nobody did, so I was happy. Uh, the rating system they came up with was days without washing your hair. So oh, five nice. being perfectly grungy and zero being <laughs> way too clean. You're you're a poser. Now I did also come up with zero through five puddle of muds. Number two. All right, I'm sticking with my my original days without washing your hair. All right, well, how many days without washing hair does this song get? <laughs> this one is one and a half days. So you know <laughs> you're taking your shower later in the day, <laughs> uh, only because of the guitar solo. Otherwise, it might have been zero. So, uh, well, then as far as I'm concerned, he might as well have just stepped out of the fucking shower. Awesome. <laughs> this one gets a zero from me. <laughs> I think this is only my second or third zero. Yeah, but yeah, this is, yeah. I, I look. Uh, I, I just I, I recently stumbled across the CD copy of this about two months ago. I was mm-hmm. like, well, I'm going to be talking about this, and it's two dollars. I might as well yeah. buy it. Man, the first <laughs> I don't I don't think I ever heard the whole thing back in the day. Uh, like I said, I was not a fan. I, I did right. own Nevermind, but that was it. Uh, but Jesus Christ, this this song, ugh, no, <laughs> no, no, no. Well, let's get to track two. <laughs> I, uh, I'm probably for most of this. I'm just going to let you. Uh, there's, uh, you know, sometimes I like to go back and forth with who goes first. I don't know if that's going to work this week. Uh, what do you got for scentless, scentless apprentice? This is a better song, but even this song tests is my it? patience. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, because you get the distorted red line chorus, if you, if you can call it a chorus. Uh, the initial drum beat and the I, I do like the the intro riff. That that kind of saves the song for me. Uh, okay. The riff is great. I, I do love, like you said, the rich full drum sound from Dave Grohl. By far the highlight of this album. But I swear, I thought I needed a new stereo. Imagine, when I let first... me pause you there. There, yeah, sure. Imagine some of those great. Um... 
hair metal records or yes. whatever term people want, where they just got rid of that just super reverb snare. If they had this drum sound, we would definitely view that whole genre differently. That one thing would just change the cheesiness of so much of what they did. Totally agree. Absolutely. Okay. Uh, but I swear, the first time I, I heard this song, I thought I needed a new stereo because, I, <laughs> like, really, my, my speakers are going out because of this shit. So, and it's a cassette. So, in any case, uh, this could have been a well, more it, highly. It, yeah. the, your, 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 uh, the van's kind of going up a hill and uh, the, the power's lagging yeah. a little bit on the, from the back. <laughs> Trying to, yeah, reconnect. And, oh. uh, in any case, this could have been a more highly rated track for me if not for the abrasive chorus. And, and I, look, I don't mind screaming vocals. I, for example, Pantera's one of my favorite bands sure. and i love i love slayer and tom Araya. but this is just painful and I, I understand wanting to create a vibe that scares away the fair weather fans but being abrasive just to be quote-unquote extreme it's it's cutting off your nose to spite your face in, in this case it's more akin to van gogh because i'd like to at least have one good ear to focus on the guitar riff and then i can tune out the vocals with the the one i just cut off so uh, yeah, that's that's scentless apprentice for me. Uh, this is the only song credited to all three members of the band. Um, the Poor song guy. was uh, inspired by I just actually uh, true story. I was doing some last minute research in prep for this. I watched a YouTube video uh, with one of the last interviews from Kurt Cobain, and he said this song is about a book he uh, has read like I don't know ten times. He says he says he keeps it. And he reads it on planes, and he always finds something about himself in it. But it's a novel called Perfume by an author called Patrick Suskin. It's about mm-hmm. a man born with an amazing sense of smell, but no smell of his own. I'm not really sure what that means, but uh, huh. he was an apprentice in a uh, perfume shop and becomes a murderer of young girls for their scent. Uh, <laughs> sadly, there's a nine-minute version of this somewhere out there, wow. and that just sounds... That sounds miserable. Um, yes. Uh, yeah. You know what? I'll just I'll I'll I'll, I'll cut to the lead here. Uh, this gets a generous uh, two days without showering from me. Yeah. Well, that's funny. I, I gave it a two two days as well, and uh, it, mostly because of the intro riff. That that's that's pretty much it. Yeah. I mean, there's not much to read. I, I agreed basically, other than the things I said, what you said. Okay. <laughs> Ditto. Touche. Yes, ditto. All right. Uh, well, up next, I, I think uh, hopefully we turn a little bit of a more positive corner here. Uh, I think so. Is the lead single Heart Shaped Box?
okay, kids, you've eaten some of your vegetables on, on your plate and most of your dinner. So to reward you, we're going to give you dessert. We're going to give you a track that at least you know resembles the qualities you yes. kind of liked on Nevermind. So it's obvious why this was the first single and arguably you know the most popular song on the album. Because again, it's got all the great qualities from, from Nevermind. Uh, the chorus is super catchy. The, the vocals are rough, but they're in tune. And uh, it, it's, it's really a great song. I, I appreciate even more especially after the painful first two tracks and besides the chorus the way the vocals are kind of layered with those different tones that's what stands out for me ironically it's it's kind of similar to what axel rose used to do with his vocals on some of the tracks on appetite so even though kurt would kind of you know demonize axel for everything wrong with rock stardom mostly correct uh catchy hooks and well-produced music uh from talented musicians can still be appreciated in the art of, of creating music and i think even Kurt would understand that, and he kind of displays that in Heart Shaped Box. So th- this gets uh, five days w- without you know washing your hair. So this is perfectly grungy. I actually believe that uh, Guns N' Roses kind of set the table for grunge. Uh, oh, really? They they, um, they kind of if you think about the timeline there, they were and the way they broke and the way they connected with people that weren't listening. Like they they didn't just appeal to to the fans of Poison and Dokken and Rat. You know sure. what I mean? They appealed to that guy at high school that didn't buy anything. You know what I mean? Is right. Like you know, uh, so uh, the the jocks, the nerds, everybody kind of got got into them, and that's kind of what grunge did. Is that mm-hmm. it, it was more inclusive. So I think they were kind of that first domino. As much as it took a few years, and there was still a uh, you know your bang tangos and stuff like that to come. Uh, right. it, it all eventually kind of worked its way out. But back to the song. Yeah, this is mm-hmm. the obvious single, right? Like you, you listen to this record with an objective ear. Um, this this stands out, you know, definitely. <laughs> yeah. For the first time, you know, at this point in the record, we're three tracks in. This sounds like the growth that I expected from Nirvana. Like if I was a uh, a casual fan, this is the first song I heard. I'm like, this sounds like a step forward from Nevermind while they still kind of maintain who they are as a band. Um, right. Many believe it is written about his uh, shaky but passionate relationship with uh, <laughs> the uh, much maligned Courtney Love. The lyrics do kind of uh, lead towards that since they seem to concern, concern themselves with, like, I don't know, two unstable individuals. But it, yes. it's, it's worth noting that the lyrics mention Pisces and, and cancer, I, and apparently that's Courtney's and uh Cobain's respected astrological signs. I <laughs> like this song uh, as somebody who is not a fan um, of the band. I should say, uh, I think this is a great song. This also gives me gives uh, five days with no shower. Yeah, and I, I think this is when we go back to you know was I looking forward to in utero? Yeah, when I heard Heart Shaped Box, I'm like, this is the natural extension of Nevermind. So yeah. Uh, yeah, and then and then we get to the album. So. <laughs> All right. Well, next yep. up is uh, Sam Walton's uh, favorite track <laughs> on the record, uh, Rape Me. Rape me, rape me, my friend, rape me, rape me. It's funny you brought up the story. I had no idea about that. But if I was sequencing <laughs> the tracks, 
I, I would have started the album with Rape Me for a few reasons. It would have been funny because it's essentially the same intro as Smells Like Teen Spirit. So it, this would delight <laughs> and possibly piss off the music critics who, who didn't get the humor in it. Uh, another reason is that having a first track called Rape Me, uh, a little dark, uh, you know, the, the, your, your Walmart crowd would, would definitely be horrified. And yeah. finally, it's also one of the better, catchier songs on the album. It, it, it would have... It would have still accomplish scaring off the crowd as intended, but at least given those that enjoy melodies in their music something to appreciate. I think it was a total lost opportunity, in my opinion. The vocals and the, the chorus, again, are really reminiscent of Nevermind, which is good for me. Uh, the positive in Unero that I recognized from the first time I heard the album uh, again, the drums, they are enormous. And, and being, uh, being that I enjoyed like Eric Carr on, on creatures of the night, uh, mm-hmm. I liked a similar sort of drum heaviness for a grunge band that w- I don't think grunge really kind of always paid attention to the drums and, and, grunge recordings. I'm, I'm curious how you feel about, about that. Actually, uh, you know, that, that's one of the things that, um, as I've gone through this little journey of mine, that I, I've, I've realized, especially with the big four, just how amazing the drummers are. Mm-hmm. Uh, even a guy like Dale Crover from the Melvins. I mean, just you couldn't get a more perfect drummer for what the Melvins do. And he's actually a phenomenal drummer. It's, he's different. He, he approaches it in almost a, a prog way. But I, I, yeah, I don't think I appreciated at the time how great Dave Grohl was as, as a drummer. He is actually one uh, A or one B of my two favorite rock drummers. The other being Tommy Lee, as, as much mm-hmm. as a dipshit he is, uh, I yeah. think he's an amazing rock and roll drummer, a hard rock drummer. Anyway, however you want to put that. Uh, but yeah, look yeah. at uh, Matt Cameron, fucking probably the uh, the gold standard for the the big four. Um, even though he ended up going to Pearl Jam, the, those first couple Pearl Jam drummers, uh, even though <laughs> Dave, David Bruzesi is kind of a dipshit, well, he's yeah. a drummer, man. Uh, he hits <laughs> things with sticks. Uh, yes. but, uh, he, he was phenomenal on there on, uh, even though he was like the second drummer. Yeah. But, yeah. uh, and then of I'm course, versus. uh, who am I leaving out? Uh, the, uh, Sean Kinney, uh, yep. just a Absolutely. killer drummer. Uh, just all yeah. these guys had moss. And that's the one thing everybody wants to talk about. Like, well, really they're just kind of metal. It's like, yeah, but how is it that they ended up getting with producers that understood that they weren't going to do this with the drums? You know what I mean? Right. It's like, how come all these other metal bands ended up with guys who like made them sound like stereotypical metal drummers? You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. No, totally agree. So that's my thoughts on the drummers. Yeah, I, I, I mm-hmm. don't think I paid much attention to it at the time, but going through this whole thing, there's so many things that pop up that 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 it, it's really been a lot of fun to to also remember, like just relive that that time of my life and, and that kind of stuff. But also yeah. to learn so much about things that I I overlooked, I guess. So and drummers yeah. are definitely one of them. Um, but back to rape me. Um, well, you know, Kurt's always been kind of a, I don't know, a, a progressive kind of guy when it came to, to the rights of females and stuff like that. This is a, a song about a, a is, this is where a, a guy rapes a girl and then he ends up in jail and gets raped there, right? Right. Did you give your rating? I I, I give it four, day, four days without washing your hair. Okay, yeah, I'm not too far behind you on there. I'm three and a half days without wa- You know, I, I wake up in the morning a little hungover, <laughs> and halfway through the day, I, I take like a shower at two o'clock. So. Exactly. Yeah. So. Exactly. And by the way, you sold me. I think it should have been the opener. When you first opened up with that whole theory, I was like, eh. 
And then by the end of it, it was like, yeah, he's got a great point. This is perfect. Uh, well done, yeah, Brian. It would have been fun. I, I think that would have been hilarious because it, it basically is smells like teen spirit and, you know, kind of subdued. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, track five, we have um, <laughs> like a, a mouthful. Another fallout boy song title here. Uh, Francis <laughs> Farmer will have her revenge on Seattle. Yes, I'm relieving, but now that you're leaving, soon as you can pay. Yes, I'm relaxing, but hear that you're resting, never again to me. Yes, I'm soothing, but now that you're soothing, soon as you sound vocals his sloppy vocals they work on some tracks and they drag on others this is a dragger for me uh, again though dave Grohl, his drum work saves this from being a complete loss because the and the middle breakdown riffs are they're cool uh, I, I do remember at the time listening to this for the first time being kind of proud of myself at 15 for again not spending the extra 10 bucks to buy this on cd compared to cassette so five <laughs> songs in uh whoa. but uh, one good thing is i did look up francis farmer and this is pre-internet uh i, I must have either saw a, a bio about her or something in the tv listings and so i watched the biopic with uh, that stars jessica lang about francis farmer it's just called francis wow came out in 1982 so very interesting you only get this Fr- kind of insight from uh, the host of the goddamn uh, yeah, that's right <laughs> We're going to have to change that in 2021. Uh, God damn. Uh, but v- very interesting life that Francis Farmer, uh, if you want to spend a couple hours, uh, you know, watching something about mental illness and shock therapy of oh, an actress nice. in the 1930s, it's, it's very, uh, very interesting. And uh, Jessica Lang was kind of an underrated actress. I think they kind of only remember her from, uh, you know, that King Kong movie, but uh, she's a very good actress. And, oh, uh, she killed yeah. it in American Horror Story. American Horror Story. Oh, right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and and my lord, you know, I, 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 I'm that show got worse every year, especially mm-hmm. after she left. Uh, for the song, uh, I give it two and a half days. Again, I'm waking up at, at two o'clock like you are. It's time to wash the hair. So <laughs> there's some really annoying feedback in that pre-chorus, but other than that, mm-hmm. I think it actually is one of the better tracks on here. Uh, but it's still forgettable. Uh, yep. I give it uh, three days without uh, showering, okay, or washing your hair. Sorry. Washing your hair, yes. Um, I mean, you could just wash your hair in the sink, so we could do good that. Good point. So, um, well, uh, we're, we're getting ready to flip the cassette here. Uh, the last track on side one is Dumb. I'm not like that. I can pretend. The sun is gone. I have a light. The day is done. I'm having fun. I think I'm dumb. Maybe just happy. This is actually a great song, and I love the use of violins on the track. Uh, for me, Kurt's vocals uh, that's a, work. That's a cello. 
Oh, sorry. <laughs> there you go. See, this is why <laughs> I stick with movies and you do that. So the strings, the strings. Uh, for me, the Kurt's vocals work much better uh, when he's somewhat restrained or he kind of uses his natural rasp in his voice for kind of a more soulful use like he did uh, on Unplugged, you know, like Where Did You Sleep Last Night? Um, I, I think Dumb would have also fit very uh, well on Nevermind. Uh, it's kind of similar to something in The Way or even Polly. Uh, especially the the middle breakdown. Uh, this is also a great radio friendly song without being obvious. It, it's short. It's catchy. I, I think it's tasteful. Uh, again, the layered vocals they're really well done. It's also obvious why they would pick this song for the unplugged show. So this this gets a five five days without washing your hair. Now the cello was performed uh, courtesy of uh, a lady named Kira. Shally, hopefully I'm getting her name correct there. Mm-hmm. If not, uh, look me up and uh, hunt me down. Anyway, uh, she also appears later on All Apologies, so it, when we get to there, it's it's the same cellist. Ah. Um, the one thing I like about this song, and, and Kurt's actually very good at this, is it's lyrically it can be interpreted a bunch of different ways. Is it sarcastic? Is it self-deprecating? Mm-hmm. Um, he's 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 very skilled lyrically when he wants to be, and um, and he reminds me a lot of Paul Westerberg when it comes to that kind of. I I call it the Minnesota snark, uh, but mm. it, clearly it it just pretty much anybody who lives in a northern climate that kind of sucks snark is <laughs> what I should be calling it. Um, but either way, this song, I, 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 I get now this is one of those examples where I kind of understand why people like it and I don't like it's it's a difference between it's basically just taste. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this this uh, I, I, I think it's actually a pretty good song. It's it definitely like you said, it harkens back to Nevermind Polly. It, it kind of yeah. had that kind of vibe to it. But for me personally, this is a three days without washing my hair. OK. Yeah. All right. Well, um, as you're fast forwarding the cassette to get to side two, um, <laughs> let's get into a little bit of the uh, some other details I had. Um, I like to talk about anyway. Initially, sure. When uh, Nirvana started, they they split publishing evenly amongst the three of them. But after the the, the success of Nevermind, um, Cobain insisted uh, on a seventy five twenty five split, which ah. is probably the first sign of cracks. There was rumors that like they were going to at the very least take a break if not break up after the in, in utero tour so i'm not sure where that would uh if that this had to be like one of the first things there was all sorts of issues going on maybe we'll get into some of that but uh okay. f- future foo fighter pat smear would join as a touring guitarist this yep. is kind of where he comes into the picture um kurt's heroin abuse uh was running out of control on the on the ensuing tour um no nova uh told Basically said said that much in 2015 that he was out of his mind on heroin the final days. Mm-hmm. Um, in March he uh, they, they they he got sick and they took a break and he was um uh basically Courtney was in Rome so he went to Rome while the other guys went back to the states he uh, he had like pneumonia or something like that right. um, and while there he attempted suicide and. She, Shortly after that, he flew back to the states, and we kind of know what happens next. You know, he, right. he gets home, and and a couple weeks later, he's he's found dead. Uh, uh, the couple things that I found here: those close to Cobain fought desperately to save him from himself. Cobain's mom and other worried relatives actually staged an intervention at one point, and for a moment, there seemed to be some a glimmer of hope as he agreed to go to a treatment facility in Los Angeles. He, in the words of what I've read here in an, in an interview or in an article, I should say, uh, on his last days, uh, he escaped two days later. <laughs> he, escaped. 
<laughs> oh. But what, if if it's right, it says he hopped a six foot wall. That's pretty much an escape. And yeah. of course, several days later, he was he was found dead. Now I I don't know if you're familiar with um, Duff McKagan's book, but he says they were on the flight home that uh, together to Seattle uh, that that Kurt took after breaking out of that. But uh, yeah, and, hmm. uh, of course, we all know. His body was found on April 8th by an electrician. Uh, uh, he had a shotgun laying on there, and they, they had a suicide note in, his po- in the house somewhere, I think. Yeah. Um, and it said something like, uh, at the end, it, it's better to burn out than fade away. So I'm guessing he was really into pyromania. Before I get into some of my standard questions, was there anything about that kind of thing that all the things that you wanted to uh, chime in on? Yeah, I mean, I think being that age, I think a lot of people remember, you know, some people remember Kennedy, some people remember Lennon. Uh, I definitely remember being at home. I think it was on the weekend. Uh, I believe it was a Saturday and just kind of being shocked because I, I don't recall many yeah, it bands. Had, it that was really because I was home. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so I don't remember, you know, at least my young age, any musicians I was really listening to at the time dying. And so that it was weird. It was just it was kind of surreal and um, didn't make sense. And, uh, you know, you know, I'm 15 at the time. So if I maybe, you know, dug a little deeper, it would have made sense, but yeah, it, it was just strange. And then like a typical 15 year old, I was like, okay, now I'm going to go to a San Francisco Giants game. <laughs> so it was yeah. like life, life moves on. But yeah, it was, it was a weird, weird time. Have you seen, um, oh, any of those, uh, we'll call them finger quote documentaries where they, uh, yeah, basically imply yeah. that Courtney, arranged to have him killed yeah the whole el duce uh oh, yeah, that, that one's really out there but there's another oh, one that is. that has a that's uh like a, a private investigator who actually has some recordings with her that honestly comes off a little more legit but the problem is it, it's like a lot of documentaries it, it 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 has an agenda and only shows the evidence that supports that nothing else you know what I mean? of course and i had read a book um for for nirvana it's escaping me right now um but you know i guess kurt really had bad stomach issues and i guess that's part of the reason he took heroin so much and he just <laughs> couldn't couldn't take the pain for for that horrible i've never bought stomach. that i look okay look, it, it very well could be true but maybe uh-huh. Heroin abuse caused some stomach issues. Agreed. I can't be good for your stomach, but hey, what do, what do yeah. I know? But is heroin yeah. good for an upset stomach, or does it cause the? You know, it's like I honestly <laughs> don't know, though. Like I shouldn't make light of it. It's just been a long time. I just have always sure junkies are junkies, and and that doesn't mean they're not human beings. It doesn't mean they deserve to die. And and he could not have been in a clear state of mind if he was, no. you know, all all hopped up and and frankly, this these type of stories, as I've gone through this, they do almost take a toll, of, you know, on myself. It's like Jesus, this shit gets dark at times. You know, yeah, you, you almost forget because you're like, like you said, you went to a Giants game. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know, I, I remember kind of like I was like I said, this this wasn't even my guy, and I was like, this is huge. What, yeah. What the, what the hell? And, and, it w- and I think it would have been even – yeah, go ahead. I'm off to the bar. Yeah, exactly. I think that's also maybe the the charm of living pre-internet. I, mm-hmm. I didn't have really a chance to dwell on it. Uh, maybe MTV was doing stuff around the clock, but I, they you, were, know, you could yeah. get away from it. Yeah, and so like I, – I think for yeah, me it's just, that I'm, I'm getting yeah. all of it in a compressed time. You know what I mean? Sure. Like Lane died a decade later, Chris Cornell yeah. a decade after that. All these Wild. little the people in between – I shouldn't say little. All the others that, that, that have fallen in between – I'm doing this over the course of a year, and I'm like, holy fuck, I forgot how how devastating that drug and, and, and was to that scene. 
in, yeah. in particular. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Absolutely. And I also want to, speaking of, we're kind of going off a little bit of a tangent. Thank you for recommending that Allison Chain's book. Mm. Um, it, it is so good. I'm about really halfway is. through, and uh, I, I'm at facelift right now. But I loved hearing like the early years, and uh, yeah, it was, that was a great recommendation. Yeah, and if you're listening, David Asolo, that's one sale I can take credit. For. <laughs> Definitely a sale. I, I purchase all my books. So yes. <laughs> Uh, what a great guest he was. He's he's uh he's coming. Uh, we've already recorded it, but uh, there's a segment uh, for the dirt episode that uh, excellent. We'll, we'll we'll get into more of that, and I, I actually think uh, there's a lot more fun stuff there. But great, it, it, he was great on the first one. Well, uh, let's segue a little bit and and get into some more of the lighter fare here. Uh, so, what were you listening to? What like what was your jam prior to grunge breaking? Aerosmith, ACDC, Zeppelin, Sabbath. That's what I was absolutely into uh, at the time. And, uh, and Nirvana and As a 13-year-old, that's pretty impressive. Yeah, and it's, I, it's all my, my dad. My dad just had music all around the house. And they had Were you vinyl listening and... to current Sabbath? <laughs> <laughs> no, <laughs> no. I, the first Sabbath tape I got uh, was speak. well, it wasn't really Sabbath. It was Ozzy. It was Speak of the Devil, which had, it was all Sabbath songs live. Um, and so that was my introduction. Then I went back and got the debut, which is definitely the, the heaviest uh, blues influence they, they ever had and then got paranoid and, and everything else after that. So, uh, But Aerosmith was natural because Aerosmith definitely, their 70s stuff is, is so bluesy. Of course, ACDC and Zeppelin. So, um, yeah, it, that just kind of, it was like the natural evolution of rock mm-hmm. anyway. And I, I kind of followed that. So, But I, I still to this day listen to Muddy Waters and, and Howlin' Wolf and and, okay. and uh, Jolly Hooker, and that's that's what I'm into. And so, um, yeah, that's that's never changed. I, you know, my my musical taste got heavier and heavier as I got along. But yeah, those were those were kind of my wheelhouse bands at that point uh, in in the early '90s. And you mentioned that uh, your chubby side action uh, bur- uh, dubbed you a copy of uh, Nirvana. Never mind. Never mind. Yeah. Um, yeah. Timing wise, like um, I don't, I don't know if you made this clear. So if you did, I apologize. But but did mm-hmm. you jump in kind of full blast into grunge, or did that kind of ease you in where you you kind of started pulling in the other the the other act? I think it was eased. Yeah. And again, I think MTV had a lot to do with it too yeah. because you couldn't avoid. Uh, the big the big bands at the time. So you know, I think right after that, I got. Do you I, hate that, Pearl Jam? No, no, not at all. <laughs> I, I but uh, but I I really only like the, the first three albums. After that, yeah. I kind of lost interest. Um, but ten, I was all in on ten. I, yeah, I think baby. I got a I got a gift card or a gift certificate. It was a real paper certificate uh, to the warehouse and, and bought ten that that Christmas. And so. Um, yeah, that's you know definitely the, the and Alice in Chains. I think uh, again that was of the four the four major ones uh, that was by far my favorite because I think they were the closest to what I was uh, into musically at, at the time. But uh, yeah, no, the Nirvana fit in. But I think I always enjoyed. I didn't care that people thought I was weird for listening to this you know amazing blues music. Uh, I was like, well, you just guys, you don't get it. And so I like what you guys like. It's not that I hate uh, Def Leppard or Whitesnake. And I, I love early Whitesnake. But, um, yeah, that's yeah, that's fine. You guys listen to what you're listening to. I'll listen to mine. If you don't like it, don't don't ride in the van. So <laughs> Get out of the van. <laughs> yeah, get out of the van. fucking Whitesnake, bitch. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Come and get it. that's right that's the best i can do for an early reference there ready and willing well here's the question of course i'm pretty sure you've been counting down the moments to the show that uh you need absolutely and that is uh did grunge kill hair metal 
Yeah, and everyone, I'm not going to stray too far from what everyone, everyone's pretty much had a very thoughtful, good answer. And, and no, I, I don't, I think all genres of music go through phases. Uh, it's like saying, did rock and roll uh, kill big band music or the crooners, you know, like Sinatra and Perry Como in the 50s? No, those artists still had their place and their fans, but then the focus changed on how the record labels would promote, you know, those newer, uh, more exciting genres. They changed. And so every genre of music runs its course. Hair metal, I think you, you've said it perfectly, hair metal lasted a lot longer than most genres. And the hair bands that were not A-list, they suffered, but they were going to probably gradually fade regardless of if it was grunge or any yeah. new sort of music came in. So, uh, And plus, grunge had been around for years already. Why didn't it kill off hair metal in 88? Uh, you know, just like the blues were around for years when it eventually Whoa. evolved into rock and roll. You There's know? a fresh take. There you go. And, uh, you know, look, I think even all the all-time great bands... The simple answer is it wasn't as good then. <laughs> Fair enough, actually. <laughs> but even the all-time great bands, uh, the rock bands, had drops in albums sales you know look at zeppelin not every album was going to be led zeppelin four you know three didn't do as well as two presence didn't do as well as physical graffiti and the drop in album sales wasn't all of a sudden because disco became popular you know it was just they they ran their course in a certain way but they were still very you know very popular and uh, I, I think you know Bon Jovi survived. Whether I like their how they how they what they turned into, uh, you don't see any of them complaining. God, fucking Nirvana just ruined our career. No, it's the sea level bands that that died off. So yes, that, that there's my answer to that. You know, much like uh, the we we took a more bluesier approach with this record for the hair metal yeah. bands. The cliche response for them now is to talk about like. I loved grunge. I thought it was great for music, you know. Right. Or the, the that's the one cliche. The other one is, uh, yeah, they destroyed, and now I had to sell my house. You know? Or it's a, it's an easy escape for a bad record. You know what I mean? Um, yeah, it's an easy scapegoat because it's it's. It, but the know, reality the, was, yeah. I I look, I yeah. I was you know in my I was twenty twenty one when all this happened. Uh, after fucking Nirvana, there. Warrant could have wrote fucking Abbey Road, and it would mm-hmm. have fucking been treated the same. So, right, exactly, yeah, and and, and it was funny because you connected to to Guns N' Roses. It didn't bother them at all. If anything, no. they might have helped them. Tesla so, did and, okay. They had their biggest success after Nevermind with uh, yeah, Psychotic Jam. Oh yeah, and, and Five Man Acoustical Jam, and and I think Bust Nuts a great album, and that still sold a half yeah. a million albums. <laughs> that, so. didn't, that didn't do very good. <laughs> It sold. I think it sold over half a million. But yeah, compared to everything else, that's uh, I think you're you right. Might be the only person who ever said it was a great album. <laughs> yeah, you're, even Brian Weed agrees with you. I just finished his book. So. Oh, is it good? I, I, I he's definitely honest. He uh, he 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 dishes dirt on everyone. So I, if you like that, it's a it's a good read. All right. Yeah, nope. I I I, uh, <laughs> I heard him interviewed uh, on, on my close personal friend Ron Keel show, uh, uh-huh. and uh, so yeah, I was actually looking to get that book, but uh, yeah, your recommendation pushes it over the top. Well, if you're a fan, I, I definitely I think uh, I've, I've huge been a fan Tesla of Tesla a long time. Yeah, yeah, and uh, not a huge Barry Brian Wheat fan though, you know, bass player. <laughs> he talks about that. He doesn't really consider himself a great bass player at all. He, he's he's much more proud of his producing and. Uh, kind of running the band now. He's like kind of the band's manager. So, well, should we flip the tape? <laughs> yeah, let's do it. All right. So now, are we heading down that kind of? I've never been to San Francisco, so are we going to uh, put the tape in, kind of put it in neutral, and just zigzag down that big hill that's famous? 
Absolutely. Well, yeah, I mean, if, if, I, if the car hasn't stalled by now, which, uh, <laughs> fun, fun story, that actually did happen with my mom and sister. And my, my sister to this day is scared of San Francisco Hills because it started to kind of fall back. And luckily she got it started in time because, uh, yeah, good times. Like, kind of scarred. From, you would from actually that. think uh, manual transmissions would be popular there because there's so many places to easily pop the clutch. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. I love dri- driving the stick, but once uh, traffic became more insane because of Silicon Valley, uh, yeah, I don't want to sit in traffic with the stick shift any longer. Oh, I'm with you. You know, I think um, I'm glad I got to drive one for a long time. Yeah. Uh, and I think it's a fun thing to learn and, and, and actually a, a good, it teaches you how to drive a little better. I believe it. Oh, I agree. But it's almost like, um, oh shoot. It's almost like one of those, like, as you get older, you want more conveniences in life. Uh, Absolutely. I, I, I've earned it. You know what I mean? Yes. Uh, <laughs> so. <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't have to buy, uh, you know, if you're, if you're, if you're a, a, a person that likes alcohol, why buy shitty liquor when I can afford something a little bit better? There so, you go. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Uh, was that a cheap shot? Because I'm drinking Coors Light. Not at all. I mean, that, that's good. yeah. <laughs> it's all good, man. All right, so we're heading down the hill, and we uh, the tape yep. opens up with uh, very eight. Great fall in by Dave Grohl with the drums. It really pushes the song forward. And uh, it sounds like one of the uh, kind of stray tracks from uh, Incesticide. Uh, Kurt doesn't go off the rails with his uh, screaming on the chorus. I think that's kind of a relief. And uh, there's what, here's one where I wish it was a little bit longer because I think that it could have done some interesting things mm-hmm. if it went on about a minute or so more. And I felt at the time, and I still do now, it, it's a really frustrating album. The, the songs that aren't great seem really lazy and for whatever reason, kind of pushed up front just to be kind of being annoying. Okay. Whereas when they have a real strong song for me, like Very Ape, they don't bother to push it further. And mm. it's kind of buried in the track ordering, even though if you bought it on cassette, it, it does lead it off. So maybe that's uh, uh, part of the reason. But uh, that being said, I, I give it a four. It would have been higher, but I kind of felt cheated by the short length. I uh, I think the length is perfect. I think that, that ties okay. into that whole punk thing. Yeah, um, yeah, and and I enjoy that. I'm, I'm actually a big fan of punk music, and and I like those elements that they kept. I, I've heard people talk about them as like the, they're more really just a pop band and all that stuff. And I'm like, I've always uh, felt no. basically from the first time hearing Teen Spirit and the rest of that record that Nirvana at its core was like a, a, a early '80s punk band kind of thing like that. They really, you know, look, I I've, I think I've explained in the show plenty of times. I'm I'm fine with kind of a wide umbrella over the the term grunge and what that means it could mean the lemon sure. heads to nirvana that kind of thing um yeah. but if you want to get to the core i think they they are more they've always been more punk and punk the the best punk bands always had a little bit of a hook and in a, in a, in a pop sensibility to it so i think people yeah. because it never really broke like nirvana did people you know don't think about it in that sense they, they just think about it in 
much like that movie we're going to be talking about. It, it was yeah. just 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 abrasive, you know, antisocial attitude about everything. But um, this song didn't do much for me, though. Okay. <laughs> uh, uh, the brevity, maybe that's why I like the brevity is like just get it over with. Um, right. Look, Kurt has always kind of attacked, you know, that. Uh, I don't know, fragile masculinity or the macho shit, you know, in his lyrics. I've always felt on that topic specifically, he comes off a little bit disingenuous. Like he's almost jealous. Like Mm. he's like, it's easy to make fun of some, something you can't be. It's like, Oh, look at Michael Jordan dunking basketballs. (laughs) That's all he does. You know, know, it's like, well, I mean, if you could do it, wouldn't you? (laughs) You Absolutely. And if he kind of lived that ethos, you would, you mentioned how he kind of changed the one for all band to, yeah, I'm writing all the music now. I'm I'm big yeah. shit. So now you get 75%. So yeah, I, yeah, I think Kurt uh is a product of uh at the time you you act a certain way cuz you have to. So yeah, and I can't remember if it was Jack and Dino. I think it was Jack and Dino I was talking to. Um, but I was surprised to find out that Kurt specifically actually had this grandiose like huge rock star goal in mind uh, you know what i mean mm-hmm. like because yeah. as much as he wanted to stay true to himself there was part of him that was like i don't i want to get the brass ring and i, right. I don't fault him for that i think that that's I, actually i think that's fantastic i think it makes him more human but sure uh it it just it was surprising because he is so into that like I'm not going to shower for five days. That's how good this song is. <laughs> um, but this song, he took a shower after two days. So, Yep, fair enough. All right. Well, number eight, uh, <laughs> second track inside two. Let's uh, flip it over. Milk it. Like to get into the lyrics a little bit because I have no idea what the fuck he's talking about. Okay. The lyrics are they, they open up with I am my own parasite. I don't need a host to live. We feed off each other. We can share our endorphins. Doll steak, test meat. Look on the bright side, suicide. Lost eyesight, I'm on your side. I don't hate the lyrics, but I just don't know where he's going. Yeah, no clue. I'm, I'm absolutely no clue. And at th- at 15, uh, I'm pretty much no different at at 42. Where uh, there's certain there's certain there's certain songs I just Man, don't. This certain, really speaks to me. Yeah, I just, I'm like whatever. Like, is it a, <laughs> does it does it pique my interest in the sense of does it work for the song? Uh, and uh, no, so <laughs> no, I have no opinion about the actual lyrics. Uh, yeah. well, any other thought? Well, well, I have plenty to say about this. I, it, it's it, a common, yeah, it, it's uh, it's this combination of the first two songs, which uh, you know serve the servants and sentinels apprentice, and it's like why, 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 why do you get this out of tune garbage from served combined with the massive drums and actually interesting riffage of sentinels? But it, there's just something off where you just know in the beginning they're going to fuck up the song, and yeah. and yes, my instincts are correct. Kurt's mumbling. I'm glad you said the lyrics almost strung out soft vocals. And then he just vomits out all the toxins during the, the chorus. It's like it, it, it destroys any semblance of a, of a decent song. Vomit. Look, I, 
I am anti-corporate suits in the music business. Uh, the, the guys who don't necessarily understand art, they just care about the bottom line of numbers and revenue. But if I worked at a label and I heard some of this shit, I'd start to wonder how far we let these guys go because I'm not getting it and I'm a fan. So yeah. plus we might want to take some of the budget and reassign it to rehab costs because Kurt's not sounding good, especially the guitar solo that sounds like him retuning his guitar. I mean, Jesus Christ or, or Jesus Chrysler is, is, is uh, we should promote <laughs> Jesus Chrysler. So I, I give it one. I, I give it a one. Ah, hey, I beat you on this one. He goes two days without showering in this one. (laughs) Well, the next track, Penny Royal T, and and, and I'll tip it to you, but before I do, I will say Mm -hmm. that according to WebMD, Penny Penny Royal T is able to help you uh, when you need to fight a chill brought on by sickness, and it is very soothing to the digestive system. Stomach issues. Um, Yeah. It also induces uh, indigestion and gas and helps calm colonic spasms. But it can also be used to induce an abortion. If drank in large doses, it can kill you. Which direction do you think Kurt's going here? Uh, He should have just taken a shower instead instead of drinking this stuff. But, um, (laughs) uh, yeah, (laughs) I think he's... uh, Yeah, I I don't know. Where where, where do you think he's going? It has to be a metaphor. You know what I mean? He's not using it literally for the... Like, I I don't think penny royalty is something that, like, uh, doctors are prescribing uh, currently. But, uh, you know, it's like more of that kind of, like, turn of the century kind of shit. I I don't know. Some of the early coronavirus uh, uh, vaccines sounded much like penny royalty. Whoa! Yeah. Nice. Not the ones now. We're recording in, in early 2021. So. New Year's Day, baby. Happy New yeah. Year, Brian. That's right. That's right. Drink some Penny Royal tea. But I, I forgot how much this studio version just sucks. Like, the unplugged <laughs> version, uh, the unplugged version is so much better for me. Oh, it's not man. even close. And this is where Kurt's vocals are just garbage. Uh, but when he hones in his vocals, which I think he did for the unplugged version, I think it's powerful and moving. Here, it just sounds the song itself sounds sloppy, it's tuneless, it's it's completely stupid and it's, it's a real bait and switch because I think the first 30 seconds of the song when he kind of has the restrained vocals, the acoustic guitar, that's where the song should have remained. But then they went and fucked it up. I think it's complete garbage. Uh, the reason I'm giving it a one instead of a zero is because there is a structure of a good song, and I think kind of unplugged kind of proved that. Yeah, the, I at this point I'm 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 waiting for something to get grab my attention and make it memorable, and it, it just yeah. is a it keeps being a swing and a miss. Um, yeah, this is this gets a two from me for largely what you just said at the end there. There is a structure of a song here. Mm-hmm. It's just. Ugh, ugh. <laughs> I, yes. I, I drank too much penny royalty and now I'm vomiting. It, I, or, yes. I, I induced some kind of like weird, uh, I don't know, male abortion. Or I don't know. Yeah, I agree. Yep. All right. Well, let's uh, <laughs> let's let's uh, pick it up here. Go to radio friendly unit shifter.
Uh, oh no, here we go again. Let's record Kurt wanking away with the, the feedback. Uh. I, I realized Geffen didn't want to piss off, piss off their, their cash cow, but wow, what, what didn't make the album if this was a keeper? Um, yeah, no it, it, gets, it gets a little bit better, mostly because You're telling of me Gould. this record would, would, would suffer without this four minutes and 51 seconds? Exactly, exactly. Uh. And, and the song gets a little bit better, and it, only because of Dave Grohl and, and the drum sound. Mm. But Kurt's completely useless here. The, the slurring vocal style, it's completely out of tune. Uh, he's got a tone-deaf chorus. And, and seriously, if In Utero had come out instead of Nevermind, they wouldn't even have had a chance to record a third album. If the vocals were somewhat decent, this could have been actually a pretty good song because I think the bass and the drums do work. Okay. But the st- the structure of the riff works, and then Kurt goes and screws it all up with, with the scratching feedback bullshit. So this gets a one. Uh, well, according to Kurt, this song was a throwaway, and I would <laughs> like sense. to add, much like the rest of the album, ba-boom! <laughs> uh, Any yeah. royalty. Yeah, this gets two for me. All right, uh, well, track 11 is Tourette's. Just when you think it couldn't get any worse. Uh, (laughs) Definitely a fitting title. Uh, I'd personally rather hear Amy Poehler yell random random obscenities and Deuce Bigelow and Male Jigelow than this pile of shit. That's hilarious you brought that up. I mean, seriously, I'd rather hear Amy yell, shove it up your ass or ball sweat or, you know, anus liquor, you know, goat nipple biter, (laughs) vulva, uh, you know, jizz trap. And my my all-time favorite. Shit whore, because that's the form of Tourette's. Ooh, I, I think that's much more enjoyable than, than Nirvana. Uh, what we should do with this song is kind of what Rob Schneider's character does with Amy, and, and that's take her to the baseball game. Play it, play it at the baseball game when your favorite team gives up a home run to the opposing team, because the anger and the uselessness of this song could be used in some sort of positive way. I mean, God damn it! How, how did this make the album? This is Puddle of Mud Bad. This, this gets a zero. You're washing with Perel. Wow, zero. Um, have you ever known someone with Tourette's? Uh, yeah, actually. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, that, I can't believe that. I, it's, it always seemed like it was literally a made-up disorder for comedic purposes. Right. For, for Adam Sandler movies is what I wrote down, and you brought up yeah. the one example I had, Deuce Bigelow. <laughs> but, uh, so, well, well, honest to God, tell me, like the person you knew that had Tourette's, was it all just spitting out curse words? Um, no, it was more like, uh, it, definitely the curse words were there, um, but it was also kind of like ticks. Like, there would yeah, be okay. certain, it, very similar to OCD. Um, and yeah, and I wasn't mature enough to really, I wasn't mean, but I also kind of like, eh, eh, this is this is funny, but it's not funny. You know, I, I, I knew it at an early age, but um, yeah, I think once medication kind of got better and more evolved, and they could they could handle it better, but it wasn't as you know. In Deuce Bigel, it's actually pretty funny, and and it's it was kind of you know well used to, to you know take her to a baseball game and have her yell at hitters, you know. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's a, it's a very interesting uh, disorder. I I can't even give this a zero. Um, yeah. uh, this is. Uh, Oh, I'm in um, detox and I shower every 15 minutes because there's nothing else to do but masturbate in the shower. Uh, <laughs> he he is, he is so bad. So oh. uh, negative 
four. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You like you've never you're in a sauna or you're you're constantly <laughs> you're washing yourself, constantly yeah. shampooing your hair. Yes. <laughs> Well, uh, uh, the album closes out. We're uh, we're almost at our destination, wherever we're going. And uh, uh, where are we going? Haight Ashbury is that San Francisco? Uh, I, gonna... I guess I don't know. That's that's definitely the place to get more grungier. At least it was before Silicon yeah. Valley invaded San Francisco. Oh, so. well, fair yeah. enough. But uh, the album closes with all apology. What else should I be? Yeah, this is as you might uh, as you've heard. This is a frustrating album to say the least. Uh, kind of like Penny Royalty, the unplugged version of All Apologies is far superior to the studio version. But unlike Penny Royalty, the electric version of All Apologies isn't complete garbage. It's actually a well-crafted, good song. I, I yeah. but it's a weird way to end the album. I don't know. If the, I don't know what song would have been a better uh, you know ending track, but. Yeah, it's it's a good song. It's kind of tarnished with the muddy, grungy guitars instead of allowing, you know, the strings and the cello uh, and percussion uh, of the unplugged version to kind of shine. So, uh, not the worst, and uh, I give it a three. All right. Um, well, in this instance, I think there was one other one uh, earlier. It might have been dumb. Um, mm-hmm. I will concede. I get how people may dig this track, but this is complete shit to me. I. I mm. This is a. This song is so fucking annoying. I just want it to stop. Excuse uh, me. At, at least the record is over, and I got really nothing else. This gets a one day. Like he's he's pretty freshly uh, coiffed. Yes. Yes. All right. Well, before we get into your final thoughts on in utero, Brian, are there any records that uh, mm-hmm. didn't make the list that you felt belonged in the top twenty-five? Absolutely. There was at least four. Um, Mother Love Bones, Apple. Oh, um, yes. Totally agree. Uh, this, yeah. The Stooges Funhouse. Yeah. Um, Alice in Chains, Jar of Flies. And then uh, the one that's criminally uh, didn't make it was uh, Louder Than Love. Uh, yeah, Soundler. over but, Ultra Mega OK. I just, I did not get that at all, man. Yeah. Yeah. That was Rolling Stone trying to be hip when, you know, they're not. So A little bit. Um, but those, were the, those were the four that I think from 26 through 50 should have... Uh, been in the top twenty-five. Yeah, I, I I would agree with. I don't know the Stooges record, so I I just don't know what to say there. But the other three, okay. absolutely, I could put them ahead of of plenty of records on here. All right. Well, as I like to do, I like to give the guest uh, guest hosted the last last words. So I'll I'll sure. give my my parting shots here on uh, this this gem of a record. Um, I do think it's important one last time to remind the listener that Nirvana never really clicked with me um, I, because I just want to expose my bias a little bit. Maybe somebody's listening to this and is like, what a fucking asshole. <laughs> Look, I, 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 I appreciate what they did, and, and, I'm, and I'm not a hater. It's just not my cup of tea. So it is safe to say this record wasn't made for somebody with, with me in mind is all I'm getting at there. However... 
I do know the difference between something that's bad and something that just isn't my thing. And I think this record is bad. I think picking Heart Shaped Box as a lead single is the easiest job anybody who ever had to do that ever had to do. It was like <laughs> nothing else stands out as much as that does. That That is the fucking... That is the diamond in a goddamn car- counter, as far as I'm concerned. Um, <laughs> it stands far above the rest of the record. I, sure. Look, I per- like you just said, I prefer the uh, the uh, unplugged version of All Apologies, and I hate that version. Mm. And, and it, to me, I, I agree with what you said, though. I think it's light years better. But um, And I think I mentioned I don't blame Steve Albini, as I think the production, it's not amazing, but it's not bad. It's, it's, a, no. it's a well-produced record. It's the songs. Um and it maybe it was that <clears throat> Kurt was really in a bad place. We all know where things went after this. Um uh and let's not let's not forget, like there was some issues leading up to this related to his drugs where his kid was taken away from him by, by yeah. you know, uh you know because of his and Courtney's, you know, heroin use and stuff. Mm-hmm. So we're we're seeing a person that's probably not physically and mentally and even chemically in, in, in an appropriate place. And maybe that's that's to blame for a lot of this because as much as, like, I don't really go to Nevermind as my jam, I totally appreciate the genius that that, that record is. Sure. Um, but, yeah, so to me it's the songs. It, it's the songs uh, because everything else, uh, the other two members of the band uh, delivered exactly as you would hope. Um, it's just not a good record. And this slides for me all the way from number 8 to 24. Okay. Brian? Yeah, I think you can go extreme and heavy on albums and still have good songs. Let's compare like Pantera and what they did with like Far Beyond Driven and Great Southern Tranquil, those albums. I think Dime and Vinny could actually rain fill in, whereas Dave Grohl and Chris Novoselic, they didn't have any say over what direction Kurt wanted to take, and and you get in utero. Uh, Or even look at Faith No More, uh, Angel Dust after The Real Thing. Some people really have a problem with Angel Dust. Other things, it's like a masterpiece, but there are some great songs on Angel Dust, uh, but it's just not The Real Thing. Um, I think, I, I really thought about why my views on the album changed from when I was 15 and I first bought this. Uh, because there are plenty of bands and albums that I love just as much now as I did when I was a teenager. Uh, but for this particular album, I think it was the, I don't know, youthful inexperience of being a music fan, meaning I was almost willing myself to like this album because I was supposed to, because I enjoyed their other albums. Uh, and again, I touched upon this. I think being on a limited income when it came to which cassettes I decided to purchase, I wasn't just going to immediately discard something that cost me a few weeks of savings from like <laughs> car washes and long cuttings. And just get rid of this tape. And today, I would just move on, and or our kid today would just move on, go on to the next stream because there's hundreds of thousands of different bands they can, uh, you know, sample without even having to pop down a nickel. So, I, I think this point. album, yeah, I, I think this album gets praise simply because it's Nirvana, and it, it was their last official studio album. I think no matter what type of album came out after Nevermind, it was going to sell. Uh, if we want to compare it to Kiss, and, and I don't know, Walmart said there was no demand for it. <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> fuck if I know it was Walmart, Rape you know. Me, Sam Walton. <laughs> but I think uh, it's kind of like Kiss and, and the Destroyer album in some ways. It, for my taste, Destroyer is the most overrated album in the 70s for <laughs> Kiss, but it, it came out right after the enormous success of Alive, so it gets yeah. all this praise. Uh, but Rock and Roll Over and Love Gun, I think, are superior albums, and, and actually I listen to Dynasty more than Destroyer as well. So I think people really like In Utero. 
because it came after Nevermind. But that, that's just me. Uh, to sum up, I, I'm a fan of Nirvana. I, I like you said, I'm not a hater of the band. I like them more than you do. So uh, this isn't. I just don't think this is a great album. Now that I'm. Uh, you know, listen to so much more music, and uh, I apologize to the Nirvana super fans there, but I really think Kurt was in poor shape, and, and it's obvious from the results here. So I push it back. Uh, you push it to 24, I pushed it to 22. Uh, <laughs> I just think there are so many other great albums that were behind it, like Purple or uh, Degradation Trip, the single soundtrack, uh, Mad Season, uh, Facelift, obviously. Uh, I think Bleach is better. Uh, core versus and super unknown i think those are all far superior and and then the four songs i mentioned are sorry four albums that were not in the top 25 are better than uh than in utero oh this wouldn't even make my top 25 if i did a personal list um sure yeah actually I get that. probably none of the nirvana records would but that'd be a per- hey, then, yeah. that'd be a personal list which is why i went this direction it really shouldn't be i didn't want the the, the show to be about me i wanted it to be about grunge um, sure, but yeah, I I'm I actually you said something there that I I I don't think I chimed in on that I definitely want to. That is, I think Bleach is a better record too, and mm-hmm. and much like this record, I was I had actually heard Bleach more than this album. It turns out, but uh, that one aged better for me than this one did. Yeah, and I even think I like the compilation of Incesticide better too. You know, you're not the first person to say that. I should check that out. But uh, yeah, again, not a fan. So I guess no. I mean, well, <laughs> but I'll, I'll stumble gonna... across that for two bucks at a fucking used CD place sometimes. There so. you go. There, there you go. I, I think it won't change your mind on things, but it's just a, for me, it's a it's a better listen. Right. Well, you know, I like to kind of experience things and kind of you know see where I come in where someone recommends something. So especially sure. when I hear that kind of thing uh, more than once. But yeah, yeah. All right. Well, Brian, uh, last chance to plug anything. Let's talk about the goddamn Magic Music Memories podcast, the soon <laughs> the soon to be renamed. <laughs> well, it's gone from goddamn movie memories to, to goddamn magic. We're either playing cards or I'm Houdini or something like that. But no, no. Um, it's, it, it, give us a proper plug here. Sure, I, sure. I, I, it, I've been fucking with you the whole time here. No, I understand. Uh, it's damn good movie memories, and uh, we've been around since. Uh, 2016 there's over 200 episodes it started as as a kind of a fun thing i used to do at work where we would just my coworkers and i would just talk about random things in movies and became like movie subjects like hey what was the first movie you saw in a theater and we'd all chime in and have a good time and and it finally just morphed into a, a podcast and uh, the first 100 episodes were fun because they were just uh, movie um movie ideas and movie subjects but then it became kind of like work and i didn't really want to start you know what's your favorite uh al pacino in this you know i didn't want to do that so i have such a robust dvd collection i thought well why don't i i really enjoy like the the bonus features and dvds and why don't i make it like the ultimate if you were to to be driving around in your minivan and with your uh, with your MP3 or your uh, your phone, and you wanted to listen to my podcast, and you wanted to hear about a movie and kind of visualize the movie uh, like through the audio, like because I grew up with old time radio and, and listening to those really like on cassettes, you know, like Jack Benny and and The Shadow and things like that, and so I could paint a picture in my mind, and I kind of wanted to do that with certain movies, so. Uh, I would give you the backstory, give you all the, you know, the in-depth, you know, um, details about a certain film um, so that the, you know, somebody that loves the film would gain something new. But then someone that's never seen a movie might give it a chance. And then after they listen to it, they'll they'll go and seek it out. And so I think uh, that's been the greatest uh, payoff from all this is getting uh, messages from folks that are like, hey, I never yeah, saw okay. this movie, never even thought about seeing this movie. And, and thank you for doing that. So I enjoy doing that. That That's a lot of fun. And 
anywhere you listen to, to podcasts, you can listen to that. I, I think for your listeners, they might also be interested in uh, my radio show that I'm on, thatmetalstation.com, oh, yeah. where... Yeah, and so it's called The Bad Beat, um, and so Brian A. Davis, there's your there's your little uh, connection, your acronym. And uh, so it's on every... <laughs> what does the A uh, stand Wednesday? for? Alexander? Brian, well, I'll... I'll, I'll <laughs> no, Aldini? Uh, no, it's... Uh, I'll give you a hint. Uh, he was a famous action star in the 80s. Steve? <laughs> Starts with an A. <laughs> I know that was that, that joke was for Chris Inzag. Uh, okay, all right, famous go. action star in the eighties. Um, oh, uh, Albert Schwarzkopf. Close, yes. No, it's uh, Arnold. <laughs> uh, yeah, my my grandfather's name was Arnold. So that we get that we Aww. get bad, and so the the bad beat actually the, it is kind of a play on on things. If you're a card player, and I'm not, but my dad is. Uh, when you go to a casino or a card room and you get a bad beat, it's basically a hand that is supposed to be um, unbeatable statistically. Uh, but there are times where you could get beaten on that hand because whatever happens. And uh, and so if you do get a bad beat at a card room, you actually end up uh, winning the hand. They have like this pot because uh, it's kind of like even if you lose, you still win. Oh. Uh, so I thought it'd be kind of be a, f- a fun play on the words with my name and my initials. And so it became the bad beat. So on yeah. that metal station. Yeah. So now that metal station.com, uh, every Wednesday night at 11 PM Eastern time and 8 PM Pacific, uh, we basically play, you, you heard about my love of the blues. So it's kind of the evolution of, of that. And so I, I'll play like the, the early, the early masters of the blues, but I'll also play the, the bands that they're definitely influenced by the blues and, and Alice in Chains actually fits in that too. So I do Rats. play Alice in Chains. And <laughs> I like Rad. I love Rad. I, so, no, uh, I was just making a blues <laughs> joke about that. But uh, yeah, they, they they covered walking the dog. So there you go. Uh, uh, you, but you, yeah. do, you do a fabulous job on your show. It is so Thank entertaining you. to listen to. Uh, the way you break everything down, and of course, you just you, you there's such a I don't know, just a happy way you kind of flow through it. So yeah, it's a very it's a very upbeat, positive show. People, it's not listening to me talk about Nirvana <laughs> anyway. Well, no, I mean, upbeat. I mean, like, I'll do some dark movies, but uh, the whole thing's supposed to have fun. We're not making money for this. If if you're if you're miserable doing (laughs) your podcast, don't fucking do it. You know, if you're not going to put in the effort, uh, then then don't do it. I mean, that's that's why I do it for the love of that, and it's for for lack and for for better or worse, it's my legacy, and it's probably what's going to survive more than anything else. It's not my job. I'm not going to in 20 years from now. I'll talk about the podcast, uh, and most people don't care about what I do for a living, so. Uh, you might as well have fun with it. That's interesting. Uh, it's it's uh, quite a legacy I'm leaving then. Um, uh, wait, I, I, I love it. I, many others <laughs> do as well. Oh, my God. I always enjoy our conversations. Are you coming back to uh, Nashville if they get uh, Rock and Pod fired up again? Absolutely, yeah. I mean, uh, I'd like to take a vaccine. That would be nice. Um, so I'd yeah. like to do that. Not well, hopefully we'll, we'll have it by then. So <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Not. I'm, I'm going to avoid the penny royalty, but uh, yeah, no, I... I <laughs> I want to see everyone in Nashville. I mean, that's how we met. I mean, that's yeah. who we really, uh, we had met at the second one, uh, but we had a better chance to really, uh, talk at the, at the third one. And we yeah. had really had a blast and, and, uh, and that's what the, that's the, really the great part about what Chris does, um, is to organize and get this great community together that I would have never met you if it wasn't for, for that or our podcast world. So, uh, I'm forever grateful to the rock and pod for that stuff. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, so many relationships, it's, it's weird to have these, like, this next wave of friends kind of in- interrupt your life, isn't it? Absolutely. Uh, but it's cool. And, uh, it's fucking it's awesome. awesome. But yeah. It is absolutely awesome because 
uh, you know, unless I was going to visit the, the, the Twins ballpark because I want to see as many ballparks as mm-hmm. I can. There's no way I would, I'd probably be in Minnesota to, to meet you. So there you go. Well, if that ever happens, make sure to look me up. Uh, Absolutely. Uh, I'll be going to the game with you. Uh, but That'd be terrific. Well, Brian, as of course you know, I have a bit of a bromance with you. I've, uh, I'm, a, I'm a fan of your podcast. I really enjoy being on your show. You've, you've, you've been kind enough to bring me in and talk about some movies that mean a lot to me, including one coming up here. Um, <laughs> so thank you so much for offering your insights on the Nirvana record in utero. And uh, I just really appreciate having you on the show. Uh, whatever. All right. Never mind. Bless life, Baka. Uh, well, you just be true to be true to who you are. That's uh, right, and uh, be true to your school. You know, it's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. Fantasy Points.